Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Concerns remain about the financial health of U.S. banks, especially after the recent banking turmoil that we recently witnessed earlier in the year. So, how were the credit default swaps of our Singapore banks affected? And what's the outlook for the CDS for the second half of the year? And as we look at the liquidity drain in other banking sectors, should we be concerned about the liquidity risk for our local banks as well? Well, joining us on the phone today to tell. Us more as Rena Kwok, who's a credit analyst of Asian Financials at Bloomberg Intelligence. Hi, Rena. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Hongbin. Thanks for having me today. Thank you for joining me today. So, just for some background context, how has the CDS of Singapore banks performed during that March madness, which resulted in the sell-off in the global banking sector? I think that's a very good question. Now, if we take a look at Singapore banks in terms of the outstanding five-year dollar senior CDS, uh, the spreads, while not liquid, have actually tightened and fell below their historical mm. averages over the past three months. And this is despite the macro shipments and the possible knock-on effects from the volatility in some of the global banking markets. And this suggests that you know the market could remain positive on their strong credit fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So amid rising jitters in the global bank. Banking sector. How will the CDS of Singapore banks perform in the second half? Yes, I think that will be a good one to watch. And we believe for Singapore banks, uh, five-year dollars senior CDS spreads they could stay range bound in second half and trade relatively flat to each other in the second half. Mm. Given that you know these the three banks have relatively similar robust credit fundamentals. Now, robust capital as well as liquidity profiles, as well as the relatively strong asset quality trends, the sites some pockets of stress remain mm. as key credit strengths for the Singapore banks. Okay, okay. And how do we assess, uh, assess then the level of resilience for Singapore banks' overall risk buffers? I think in order to assess our buying level of resilience for the risk buffer, it will be key to look at different levels, meaning we have to look at you know, how much of their pre-provisions before profits as well as the loan loss reasons and the core capital collectively, how much can they cover the potential non-performing loans. Mm-hmm. And if based on our calculations, most of the Singapore banks have pre-provisions before tax and loan loss reserves at about 2x of the non-performing loans as of the figures as of first quarter 2023. Now, if we add in like excess common equity tier 1 capital, assume a healthy range of 12%, this ratio rises about 2 to 4x and with OC, uh, UOB overall risk buffer generally lagging as comparable Singapore peers. Mm, mm. Okay, okay. So how much of the potential non-performing loans could Singapore banks' overall risk buffers cushion? Taking a look into their pro- pre-provision profits, loan loss reserves as well as core capital, that covers 2 to 4x of non-performing loans. Mm-hmm. And we would actually think that that is pretty comfortable for the Singapore bank as we do not expect you know, outsized asset quality projects in the second half despite we could see some very modest normalisation. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And looking at the liquidity drain in other banking sectors, should we be worried about liquidity risk for Singapore banks? 
Yeah, I, I think that's a very key, uh, you know, trend to watch across the banking sectors mm-hmm. as we enter into rising interest rates. Now, taking a look into Singapore banks, we actually see that liquidity risks are low for Singapore banks mm-hmm. as the net cumulative outflow driven by mainly by a deposit profile since manageable despite the rising rates. Mm-hmm. And this is all thanks to the measures by the Singapore banks to attract deposits for mm-hmm. the market dominant deposit share amid the rise in competition as well as the banks actually boosted that share of high-quality liquid assets. Now, mm-hmm. if I were to share as of first quarter 23, you know, Singapore Bank's liquidity coverage ratio remained robust despite the rising rates. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, funding costs would rise in the second half of Singapore Bank's weighing on the interest margin upside. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Just for a little comparison here, how about the liquidity drain in the U.S.? Should we worry be worried about the banking sector in the U.S.? I think in terms of the liquidity, uh, what are some of the key indicators to watch is the deposit flow as uh, flowing out of the banking system, right? Mm-hmm. And we also have the oncoming, upcoming debt deal that's, um, you know, by the U.S. So that would be key to watch in terms of the dynamics, you know, how much of the deposits could flow out of the banking system and, you know, be, let's say, uh, going into higher yielding products that needs to be watched as well. I see, I see. And how is the deposit competition in Singapore's banking sector since the uh, operationalization of new digital entrants, like Trust Bank, for instance? So, so far, the deposits outflow to the digital entrance is pretty limited as the Singapore banks collectively mm-hmm. have actually comprised about 73% of the banking sector deposits in March 2023. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at Trust Bank, I mean, it has actually attracted more than $1 billion in SIN dollars in deposits as of May. Mm-hmm. While this is not bad for the digital bank, it remains really minute to the Singapore banks and uh, it's unlikely to be a huge concern for the Singapore banks. Right, right. But uh, talking about these new digital entrants, will they have the same consequences uh, or risks of liquidity? Are you referring to the liquidity risk for the digital entrant? Yeah. So, so far, what we have seen, that I think... Um, for all the digital uh, banks, they've actually, uh, you know, made some efforts to shop uh, deposits. And I think uh, looking at their, um, I would say, the pretty good progress for trust banks so far, just based on a digital banking perspective, it's quite commendable. But of course, you know, more needs to be done. And we do expect the deposits competition to get uh, even more competitive in the second half as, you know, banks try to shop more deposits for a more stable funding as we enter into an elevated interest rate environment. Okay, okay. And finally, before we let you go, Rena, what should investors be cautious about or, you know, look out for in Singapore Bank's asset quality in the second half? Yes, I think, you know, Singapore Bank's, you know, asset quality has been known to be robust. But in second half, we do expect, you know, some very modest normalization in the second half amid the rising heat winds. Uh, of course, some of the key indicators to watch is the recoveries of non-performing loans as well as the new formation of the non-performing loans are key to watch. So, systemic stresses are unlikely for Singapore banks, but pockets of stress could arise from riskier segments such as the unsecured retail as well as the vulnerable uh, SMEs in the external-oriented sectors. Uh, but that, you know, that being said, you know, we continue to believe that the continued efforts by the Singapore banks to increase management overlay looks more than sufficient to buffer any potential loan slippages, and the Singapore bank's uh, robust asset quality could still remain resilient. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much, Rina, for your time and your insights today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Thank you. We've been speaking with Rina Kwok, who's a credit analyst of Asian financials at Bloomberg Intelligence. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.